Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. My guest today on the A-Game Podcast is Jose Linares. He's an absolute stud. What a good guy. What a nice dude. Um, had him on the podcast. Met him in San Diego at BPCom. We had a great chat. Hit it off. Um, good energy. Good dude. Just everything you want to see in a person. He's exactly who he is online and and uh, and, the, and the masterminds in person. So good dude to, to be around. Everything he says about just liking relationships and liking to go out there and be a network and, and talk to people and... Uh, that's exactly what he does. So I, I really enjoyed hanging out with him and gave him an open invite anytime he wanted to get on the phone and talk or just jump on the podcast, talk about what he's got going on. And since he just took down that 72 unit, I thought it was a great time to jump on and discuss that. So we're going to dig into on this one uh, a little bit the anatomy of how did he find it? What did it look like? What was the process? How did he put together? Why did he take it down? What's his strategy with it? Did he have partners in it? What was their roles? He closed on a certain day. Why did he do that? What did that look like? What's the future look like? What did he take away from BPCon? Some tips and tricks for taking action. How to scale your business uh, with resources of using relationships and people like he's been doing instead of just having to put all your own money in and do everything on your on your own. Uh, some really great tips there. And then we talk about the tribe he's put together, uh, the mastermind that he's got that uh, you guys can connect with him on on the show notes as well. So always appreciate it. Um, definitely put my stamp of approval. What a good guy. I can't get enough Jose Linares. So definitely check him out. Follow him. You won't regret it to get great content. Reach out to him if you're interested in mastermind. We're doing some deals or stuff like that with him. He's always a, a simple Instagram message away. Speaking of Instagram, while you guys are online listening to this show, I love having great guests on like Jose. And the the fee we have for this show is just to go on and please subscribe. Go to nicknicknick.com slash links and you'll find all the ways to subscribe to the show. And then on top of that, um, while you're in there, if you can follow us on social media and just when I post some clips for stuff like Jose coming on and dropping some knowledge here. You're on social media anyway. Please just like it. Just tag somebody in it. Share it to your post, to your feed, to your stories, whatever it might be. It really goes a long way for the algorithm, especially when we first post it. If you could just participate, that's all we ask. Again, you guys are scrolling on social media all day anyway. Just like the post so we can keep getting A players on like Jose to bring you guys game-changing information for stuff that they've done to make money, save time and save you guys from mistakes. And I'll hopefully connect you guys to do some deals together over the next, who knows how many years, because again, like he says, it's who, not how, while you're also over there, if you go to nicknicknick.com slash bigger pockets, we have a free checklist for all the ways to bring more value to your buyers. If you are a real estate broker, wholesaler, or agent. And last but not least, this whole thing is about doing some real estate together. So if you are looking to get into some deals, all you have to do is text me directly. 516-540-5733. Again, 516-540-5733. 5733, text the word real estate, and I will respond back. And we will discuss whether you want to buy some properties from me, sell some properties to me, or find a way to partner together on your next real estate deal in some way, shape, or form. So hit me up, hit up Jose. Have a great day. I appreciate you guys listening. Always appreciate Jose coming on. Definitely a friend of mine now and a friend of the show. Have a great day. A Game Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. All right, my guest today. Returning for the second time, the two-timer club, 
As you may remember, he's a former hockey player, insurance adjuster, commercial restoration specialist, term real estate investor, focused on multifamily commercial assets. He initially, when he came on, had gotten out 22 doors in under four months. He's known on Instagram, a fantastic account. I highly suggest everybody follows at Claims to Fire. It will be in the show notes. Husband, father, he's become a friend of mine, a friend of the show. We've hung out at BPCon out in San Diego. And since then, he has acquired even more, including a fantastic deal we're going to talk about where he took down 74 units right, I think, before the ball dropped at the end of the year to bang out the, the year in a on spectacular fashion and bring in the new year guns blazing. So welcome back to the A-Game podcast, Jose Linares. Thank you so much, Nick. I always love your introductions. And I was a little, I was kind of hoping at BPCon that as we were walking around, you would introduce me the same. <laughs> I was a little disappointed, but uh, excited to be back on the podcast. And I love catching up with you. Uh, every single time we chat, it's always a great conversation. Man, all you had to do is ask. I would have gladly done the intro. No problem. No problem. <laughs> So fun fact for the audience, I would say two of the most shocking things about BPCon were how tall David Green is, is in person and how tall you are in person. So you don't look as tall on the computer screen. And I was like, wow, you're a lot taller, a lot taller. Tall glass of water, my friend. Typically the tallest Mexican most people have ever met. So yeah. Wow. All right. That's going to be the title for this podcast. <laughs> So hit me, man. Let, let's uh, let's figure out what where have you been since since the last time we saw you. I know um, definitely I want to talk about some of the stuff that you brought up that you were going to dig into when we sat down at BP conflict like the mastermind and building out your tribe. That that kind of stuff is awesome. Just the principles of getting those ideas at places like that and taking action, uh, joining GoBundance, getting into masterminds. But let's kick it off with December thirty first, two thousand and twenty two. Talk me through what's happening. So yeah, December of last year, uh, yeah, about a month ago, we closed on a 74 unit in Des Moines, Iowa. So it was a partnership that blossomed initially out of uh, joining Brandon Turner's Maui Masterclass in September of 21. That's where I met my uh, business partner, Luke Hoffman. He lives on the eastern side of, of Iowa in Dubuque. And my properties are in Des Moines, Iowa, more central Iowa. So when we met each other at BPCon, he had strengths in a lot of areas of my weakness, and he actually enjoys more of the construction management, asset management, project management, uh, operation side of it. And I really enjoyed the networking, the relationship building, finding the deal, uh, building the relationships with the lenders, negotiating, getting to closing. But that one little part about uh, after you close and operating, that's probably the most <laughs> important to make sure that you cash flow. That's really not my strong suit. Um, I just had to be very upfront and clear with where my strengths and weaknesses were. And Luke was, has been a great partner um, and kind of helped that uh, transform. And we actually partnered with Terrence Doyle and his brother, Daniel Doyle with Verco on that particular deal. And I was introduced to both of them by buying my first two properties in Des Moines, Iowa in 2020. Cool. So backing this up, if I remember correctly, we were hanging out in a circle, and I think I was with David Perret and another gentleman. And I think the gentleman I was with is the guy that you actually bought the property from. I'm trying to recall who we were with. Oh, I know who. Um, no, I actually offered on his property uh, back in August, September, um, leading up to BP Con. We did make an offer on his property. He's in uh, David Perret's uh, mastermind 
and it's just a really small world, one degree of separation of bigger pockets. <laughs> and it was just uh, really funny that uh, that particular property, it didn't work out as far as offers and everything and, and coming to terms on it. But it was just really funny knowing that uh, one, he was in GoBundance um, and in Gabriel Hamill's uh, pod and then also in David Frey's Mastermind as well. That's cool. Yeah, go buttons, man. Everybody, that that's catching like wildfire, man. Everybody, uh, David Green hit me up today, actually, or yesterday, and he was like, "Hey, interested in go buttons?" I was like, "I am," but I, I just I feel like I don't have the time to commit to anything else I sign up for, and that doesn't seem like one that I want to join and not be able to like really maximize and focus on. So, but that and CG, man, those are definitely next on my list. Yeah, uh, I was a little bummed because they're all currently in Tahoe right now for the Winter Mastermind. So I was a little bummed just because I wasn't able to pull together and make that particular uh, mastermind happen. But I'm already blocking off uh, October for their fall mastermind with GoBundance. That's awesome, man. Good, good people. And shout out to Gabe Hamill, man. What a, a nice guy. I met him at BPCon. I had no idea what a freaking rock star that guy is. And so nice, but killing it. Absolutely killing it. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, he's a... Uh, he was probably one of the first people that I reached out to to kind of understand seller financing. And just like you talked about it when you interviewed him, he's he's a beast when it comes to seller financing. Yeah, yeah. So one thing I think is cool that we don't really get enough to do on this podcast sometimes is really breaking down like the anatomy of the deal. So I'd love to dig a little bit into this one. so fresh. Backtrack like, okay, you're you're looking at a bunch of deals. You put out a bunch of offers. What like where did where did you first get this deal from? What were your initial thoughts when you looked at it? Like talk talk to the conception of the seventy four unit. Yeah, so the seventy four unit was part of uh, basically a twelve month process um, getting to this particular deal. Um, Luke and I had looked at a lot of different properties. Uh, the beginning of twenty twenty two, not many of the properties were penciling out. Um, I actually just had this uh, discussion with a few of the on the Value Tribe yesterday on the mastermind call that the beginning of last year, we were minimum a million dollars under everyone's asking price. And we'd throw out verbal offers and nothing was really sticking. And then there was one, it was like a 136 unit portfolio in Iowa. And we made an offer, a verbal offer. Um, that one was in March. And then they came back in June like, hey, so does your, that offer from March still stand? I was like, no, that was March. That was March <laughs> interest rates. That was March numbers. That's a completely different ballgame than where we are currently. And so I reevaluated the the asset and our price, and it didn't make sense at that point either. But we were um, talking to Terrence. I was talking to Terrence about the value tribe the entire year. And then as we were getting ready for it, um, we just kind of put it out there that, um, it would make a lot more sense to partner with uh, Terrence and Verico in Des Moines, since they're one of the kind of heavy hitters now in the market, to carve out our own little niche. Instead of focusing on the 100 plus unit properties, we decided that we're going to carve out our own little niche in the 50 to 100 unit property. It kind of is like that no man's land. It doesn't support a full time property manager or service manager. And it's a little bit um, harder to scale unless you are partnered with someone who has in-house property management. So we decided that we'll carve out our niche. They can still focus on that 100 to 400 unit range. And then that way there's more opportunities for them to get more deals. So um, this particular deal, the 74 unit went through uh, Terrence and then it was a perfect fit for what we've been talking about since about uh, June, July of last year. So they were the original seller? No, 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 no. Um, they they were just uh, brought this particular deal um, from their broker relationships. And that was what I had to come to grips with myself being in San Diego, 
Um, and even though Luke is in Iowa, he's not in Des Moines, Iowa. So for us to get like first opportunity, first look at properties before anyone else, it's a little harder when you're doing it from a distance. So we may be lucky at getting like fourth or fifth look at a property, but, um, and that just comes with relationships that I built over the years, but to get a first look, you know, before it even comes to a market, you gotta really be more local to kind of get those opportunities. That's a fantastic point that I don't think has been discussed a lot. I actually never even thought about it like that. Breaking into a market sometimes can be harder. And I, and I think Tim Bratz was was bringing this up a little bit. Shout out to him about like the way he's he's got like all these A properties now and he gets all these great deals. He got there by picking up like C deals first and like C class neighborhoods and then eventually moving on, like selling those off and moving on to like B's and establishing his relationships because he didn't have the local resources, a local reputation or track record yet to get, like you said, first look at those eight properties, but you work your way in there. So I think that that's an extremely good point for people listening to remember, like, don't sit around and wait for like the home run deal and wait for the best deal. Like get in, get some track records, get some reputations, get some contacts, get your name out there. And then people will know you as a local guy who's closing and then those deals will start to find you. So I think that's a huge value bomb there. Yeah, I, I completely agree. You just need to kind of get in the game. And you if, if, it, if you do get a home run deal on that first one, props to you. Most don't. I would say my first one was maybe a, a double uh, on that aspect of it. But over the long run, like those doubles, those singles and doubles can turn into triples and home runs because you're just in the in the game. You can learn from those first steps, but you really just need to get in the game and then also build that track record. Like you said, with the brokers, lenders, property managers, I had a discussion with someone uh, probably about a couple months ago and they were asking, um, like, hey, if I put an uh, out, out, if I put this LOI out, you know, what, and they accept it, what, how should I think about, like, what are my options to back out? And I was like, if you're going to put an LOI out, you need to be ready to go in, like all in, like, don't look, find ways to back out. You need to build that track record that you can put out offers, get accepted and close. That's going to go a lot farther because if you get known as someone who does not get puts out offers but can't close, I don't really see yourself like gaining traction with a lot of these brokers in the market. It's another fantastic point right there. So you brought up a, an interesting analogy there that I, I tell people a lot. I, I use those exact words. It's like, this is why we get along so well, just because of this stuff. But I tell people, <laughs> look, get, get in the game. Just get in the game because – Real estate is so forgiving that over time, those base hits will turn into doubles, triples, home runs, like exactly that type of thing. And I think one of the, the points that I've been bringing up lately to people that talk to me about investing is the cap rate compression over the last few years because there's lack of inventory and a lot of these funds literally still need to put that money out. They're getting a lot more flexible because they have to arbitrage that money. So they're willing to take less. So now they're coming in to people who might have bought a base hit deal two, three years ago, that was like, I'm just going to keep this in my portfolio. And they got it like, and they did a value add. Now it's like an eight or a nine cap. And then the hedge funds or another company will come along and say, look, we really just need to pick something up so we can put this money to work. We'll buy it at like a two or three or four cap. And they can, like that completely changes the money you make on the deal when you're almost doubled or tripling what somebody's going to offer you for what you bought it for two or three years ago. And that's created multimillionaires off of base hit deals over the last two, three, four years. Oh, absolutely. And that's a, the beauty of building your portfolio. As you continue to acquire more assets and build that portfolio, you'll really be attuned to the market and what properties are performing and not performing. So as you start to scale, you'll get a better idea. You know, like th these first couple properties that I bought in this part of town, they're not really performing to the level of these properties that I bought a few years later. So let me trim the fat 
let me sell these, but I can actually make a solid profit on selling these. And then I can put those profits into a much more, uh, much better, you know, B class stabilized or not necessarily stabilized, but just a better asset fit and niche for you so that you can then add your value to it to then bring it to a stabilized position. Fantastic strategy right there. I love that. You're right. When you get a reference point for it, this stuff, you know, it's like going on one date and being like, I'm in love. It's like, no, no, no. Like the more you go out there and you see like the one that's right for you, you start to get a better reference point for what's working and what's not. And I think that that'll never stop. You know, the stuff that you're talking about today, the 74 unit, two or three years from now, you might be like, hey, man, like that was like the worst deal I've done. Like now I got these other ones. Look how much better it is. So I think that stuff's really cool and exciting. So um, now talking about, so you you got the deal in, I love that whole analogy of, it took almost a year to put together. It was a no because there's those boomerang deals. I was just talking to, um, I think it was Alex Camacho about it, about how like I, I tell everybody deals aren't found, they're created. And you look at deals and it's a no. And I always take the no's as a not yet. So right. talk about that process in your mindset over time, because you said you were looking at a lot of deals and none of them were penciling out. And I think a lot of the time that's where people either A, get discouraged and quit or B, they're sick of having deals not turn out and they just really want to deal. So they settle for something that they think is okay. And at the end of the day, those are the deals that turn into the crappy ones. Yeah. And that was another reason why I decided that I didn't want to go the 1030, 1031 route on the sale of my 15 units. So I did buy um, a property that I should not have bought in 2020. That was a 15 unit. Um, learned a lot on that property. Mm -hmm. And I consider that my associates, uh, I consider that my associates degree to the game. And uh, thankfully, I didn't lose any money. I basically sold it at a price point where I could break even on that one um, after all fees and everything else. But that allowed me to know a little bit more on what I needed to actually do. But I, I decided not to do a 1031 um, on another property that I decided to hold. My first property was a seven unit. The second one was a 15 unit. The, the seven unit I did really well on. That was like the double that I mentioned earlier. And I was considering selling that because I realized that there was more efficiency in the larger properties. But when that one fell out of contract for what, you know various reasons, uh, I decided I was just going to do a, a cash out refinance on the seven unit. So uh, because I would rather not have any deal than force myself through a 1031 into a bad deal, just like you said. And what I what I really like about um, being able to scale the portfolio and just understand the markets a little bit more and like you said, the boomerang properties. There was an eight unit that I, so I had, I bought the seven, I bought the 15, and then there was a 15 unit portfolio I walked away from in 2020 just because it didn't make sense. And then I put out an offer on this eight unit back in 2020. I didn't get the eight unit because I was stuck in my head on a particular number. The two brokers actually, because this went through two different brokerages at one point, they both told me the number I needed to be at to close, but I was stubborn and I was like, you know what? No, this is my number right here. Um, I actually bought that property in September of last year in 2022. I paid more than I would have paid in 2020, but it was still a solid property. So just like you said, that boomerang, like I already had all the details on that property back in 2020. I knew everything that had been done in 2018, 2019. So the fact that it was coming back to in front of my desk uh, because of the relationship with the brokers that I built over the last few years, that's where, um, you know, just keep a log of everything that you actually look at in the, in the market. There's a high probability it's going to be trading hands again in two, three, four, five years. So if you're in the game, hopefully long enough to see that type of cycle, 
you'll know how the properties have performed over the years but because you're going to have those OMs, you're going to have the all the data from previous years where you may not have gotten it but now it might make a little bit more sense that's such a great piece of advice as well because like you said after three, six months of looking at stuff, when it starts to come back, you've cut your due diligence and now you're able to look at more deals with less time. What are you using to track that stuff? Do you use Excel sheets, CRMs, uh, pen and a piece of paper? Uh, I I personally use a spreadsheet and then my partner, Luke, he loves Asana. So Asana is his um, baby for project management. He's still kind of uh, coaching me to use it a little bit more. Um, even when we were working on the 74 unit, he would ask me questions. I was like, let me double check the spreadsheet. And then I was like, wait, I just said, let me double check the spreadsheet. I know I got to put it in Asana. So uh, thank you for reminding me that I need to start using Asana a little bit more. So he loves that. And he's automated on his systems to um, kind of work his entire portfolio through Asana, even his, even his personal life. So I think he, actually he'd probably be someone good to get on the podcast as well to learn a little bit more about systems and how he's kind of scaled his portfolio just with him as well. I love that. And I know like you're a systems guy. And so the fact that you're saying that he's a systems guy like that, that says a lot about the, uh, the variation. It's like, it's like when people go oh, jujitsu black belt, I'm like, dude, you have no idea. Like the, the variations of like the level of black belt. So I think that that's cool. There's always, always stuff to learn. Oh, so. Absolutely. So you have you have the seventy four unit. So backing that up again, when you're going through all those, do you how do you keep yourself like excited and motivated when you're going like months and months and months and not getting a deal? Like what what keeps you in the fight? It's really just a long term vision because I know where I want to go with this particular uh, path with multifamily and real estate. That's my passion, I, and I um, I think what keeps me motivated, just like I said, where my strengths and weaknesses are. I just love having conversations like when you and I like get to hop on a conversation and talk about, um, you know, parceling and some of the things that you have done in your past that I can learn from as well. Like, I just love having those conversations and just natural conversations and relationship building that actually turns into deals that I didn't even know. For example, um, I reconnected with uh, a friend here. She's a bartender. She was a bartender in San Diego. Now she's a realtor. We just reconnected. And she saw my Instagram page and she saw that I was investing in Des Moines and she mentioned that she had some investments in Des Moines and come to find out she was an LP on a deal that we looked at back in May of last year as well. And I was like, that's really one degree of separation. Like, I, multifamily is a very, you think it's very large, but if you hone in on one particular market, like that market gets super, super small because the most of the deals, the larger deals at least go through the same brokerage. Um, so you're going to see the same like top three, four or five people um, controlling most of the transactions in every single market. Small world, man. I love it. That's why you got to be nice to everybody. You never know who's coming around where. Yeah. All right. So you're, you're putting out offers. You're looking at deals. You're penciling numbers. You're being patient. You're logging your stuff. Then this one comes along. Was it already stabilized? Was it a value add? Like what was the, uh, what, what type of entrance and exit are you looking at on that? Yeah, so the 74 unit is a value add deal. Um, it's actually, uh, we were able to lock it in at pricing that we had not seen since about 2020. It was, we got a 57,000 um, per unit. And a lot of the properties currently in the market for this type of asset are trading closer to 70, 75. And it was funny because I actually posted about this on LinkedIn because I was excited about the deal. I posted about the deal on LinkedIn and then someone uh, randomly commented that they had a portfolio that they'd be interested in selling if I was interested in having a conversation. So we, I reached out immediately. We hopped on a call. 
they told me what they were looking for as far as the price. I knew the asset. I knew actually um, have the same property manager. We share the same property manager. And as I was uh, talking about the numbers and penciling it all out based on what he was giving me, because we I didn't have any rent roll or T12, just basic information. He uh, mentioned that he's like, yeah, I can probably get, you know, 75, 80 a door. He's like, that's pretty much what the comps are going for in the area. I was like, you do realize that I would be one of those comps and I just dropped <laughs> it significantly, right? He's like, ah, oh, that's true. <laughs> if you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate soon, whether you're beginner, intermediate or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesale, and fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Reach out to me on any of my social media channels. You will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. That's funny. So now talk about you're, you're going to take this deal down. And you mentioned you have a, you have a business partner, Luke, and then you had a, a JV in essence with a couple of local guys there. What, what does that look like now? Wh whose roles are what? Obviously, you're the guy who's doing the initial analysis on the deal. But wh what is everybody's roles? What's that structure look like? Yeah, so there's basically in... Um... There's four of us um, kind of in the partnership. Um, so the brothers, Terrence and Daniel. Uh, Terrence runs Verico. He, he's basically the rainmaker there. He finds all the deals, has all the relationships. So Terrence and I have similar um, skill sets in that aspect of it. I'm still aspiring to reach his level of skill set, but we have similar strengths. And then when it came to the operation side of it, Daniel, his brother, is property management, construction management, operations. And that's the same thing with Luke. So we have basically have... There's two uh, more on the front end, two on like the operations on the back end side of it. And then that's kind of how the rules are divvied up. And that's how um, pretty much how the Value Tribe also started in that uh, Terrence and I just developed the relationship over the years after closing on the first two properties that Tim and his brother sold in 2020. And he likes to say that I was just pleasantly persistent. And so I, I think I just get that from one for my sales job, my W-2 but also just from the fact that I really enjoy uh, building new relationships. And if it's someone who I can see their path, like how they scaled from, you know, buying these four units, five, 10, 15 unit properties, and now they're in the hundred to 400 space, that's really who I want to align myself with and understand like their mindset. How did you get from that initial portfolio, you know, that next iteration, that next iteration to get to your ultimate goals? And I actually had the same conversation with Andrew Cushman because I kind of did the same thing with him. I heard his interview on the Bigger Pockets podcast and I reached out to him and I actually called him when I got uh, the 74 unit under contract. Um, as we were kind of getting ready to get through the due diligence phase, I called him up to um, get some input on the first deal that he did. Like, you know, what, what were your hiccups? Like, what did you learn? What would you do differently? And his information, he was actually the one who told me to go uh, five plus units. And he was the one who kind of told me, hey, if you want to build a track record, don't even look at those uh, four units and under, go five plus units, you're in commercial, you'll build a track record with commercial uh, brokers, lenders, property managers, and that'll help you scale faster. So I go full circle now, and I have a 74 unit under contract. And 
he basically said the the same thing. He gave me, you know, tips on like things that he would do differently. He he give, did give me kudos that I had a little bit more following than he did because there was really no social media when he was buying his first uh, syndication. And um, but it did go back to I asked I did ask him the question. So I know a lot of people reach out to you from bigger pockets from your interviews. Like what uh, what made you kind of take my calls and interviews, um, or not interviews, take my calls and respond to my emails and texts. And he's like, after a point, I just realized that you weren't going to, going to go away, but you were all very nice about it as well. And he's like, I'll give this guy a shot. He's pretty nice. So um, we built a relationship from there. I love that. That's such good advice for anybody. Just the, uh, and like you said, pleasantly persistent because you do, it, it's very clear that you like conversations and people like it uh i remember when we did the first podcast like heather blankenship and people were all like oh, i love him i love him and it was all the people that you knew from the maui retreat that they could just feel like your your energy is just so genuine and sincere so it's very easy to talk to you so i think people appreciate that because you don't come off like a guy who is draining their energy or is there just to like take like it just seems like a very good sincere conversation so huge piece of advice for people but even the follow-up because like i get a lot of a lot of stuff I'll find it months later in spam on like some social media. And if the people would have just followed up, I would have probably caught it, but they don't, you know, and that's uh, the old fortune is in the follow-up is really, uh, you know, even the podcast, man, I can't tell you how many of the guests that I've gotten that it took me years of just messaging them every few months over and over again. And then eventually they're like, Oh, Holy crap. I just saw this. Yeah. I'll, I just booked a slot. And I'm like, Whoa, like, so that's, it's great advice there, man. Just for life in general. That's a, that's a great way to be. Yeah. Yeah. Fortune is in the follow-up just as you said. Boom. Okay. So now we got that deal going. We're on to that. I want to transition a little bit to, let me ask one more multifamily question that I want to transition to like be bigger, bigger pockets conference and the, and the, the, uh, the mastermind stuff. But I just saw Kathy Fetke and maybe James Daynard, who was freaking awesome at that BPCom, but they were talking about, I think the title of the podcast was multifamily refi reckoning upon us. And I was like, man, that's such a great title because I've been watching like these the syndications of people that I, I don't really think know what they're doing and they're raising money from people that I don't really think they know what they're looking at. And I don't think they anticipated the adjustment in the interest rates. And I think that there's going to be a lot of unhappy people when they go to refinance some of these properties and they realize that they, they can't or they're seeing now that there's investors that are going to be offering less on these deals because of the adjustments of the rates and now because there's more on the market. And I think it's going to be a great time to jump in as we go later in the year. There's going to be a lot of great opportunities. But what are you looking at? Do you think that there is going to be a really great opportunity in the next 6, 12, 18, 24 months to come in and buy some of these properties that these guys couldn't really exit out of the proper way that they got into these indications they really shouldn't have been in? Unfortunately, um, I think that there will be a lot, a lot of opportunities coming this year, um, especially with some of the operators that they decided that they wanted to go um, and kind of go big in, you know, 21 and 22. And a lot of them, I, I can't say a lot of them because I only, only know a handful of them that um, were kind of doing like a flip model in multifamily where they were buying, you know, some mid-size, some larger assets, and they were getting bridge loans on those with the hopes and anticipation to then roll out of that and sell, um, you know, in 18 months, 24 months, whatever it ends up being with their terms. But a lot of them, you know, they may have gotten that or original bridge loan at like six, 7%. Now you're probably looking at like nine, 10 more um, for those uh, interest rates. So that hurts. That, um, 
that is something that always actually scared me um, on that. I was never really uh, a big fan of looking into bridge loans. Everyone did recommend that back in 21 and 22 when everything was going skyrocketing uh, across the board. But, and that was their recommendations like, yeah, you can get this bridge loan, you can take it down and then you can refinance super easy, very quick into, you know, something uh, a lot more uh, fixed and a longer runway. Um, but thankfully I did not go that route. And what also helped us with the 74 unit was a relationship. So I had some relationships in the market from lenders, but again, Terrence and his brother had relationships for like a decade more than I did. So they knew all the same lenders that I did. And um, this particular lender, they've worked with a few times and they know their model. And so we were able to get uh, 5.46% interest for uh, five years fixed. And we were able to rate lock 30 days prior to closing, which most lenders didn't want to rate lock last year because they're like, well, no, because we don't know where it's going to end up by the time of closing. So the minute that we hit that 30 day window, we locked as quickly as possible because um, oddly enough, there was there was a dip at that particular week and we just got lucky on that particular one. So but you can't get lucky if you're not in the game. So that's that's the other part of it. I love that. And uh, backtracking to where we started there, de December 31st, what was the relevance for people listening about why you wanted to close before the end of the year? Oh, that was because we actually had that lined up to close January 10th. And the reason why we pushed that up, because we want to get 100% bonus appreciation for a cost segregation study so that we can maximize our uh, depreciation up front. And so that was why we pushed it up. So it made the timelines a lot tighter. But it was really only like 10 days, but um, we wanted to get as much of that as possible, especially for um, our partners who were coming out of, you know, some, possibly some capital gains and they needed to offset some of that uh, passive income as well. So it made a lot more sense to just push up the timeline. So we're excited to see how that comes back because we're still um, going to get that cost seg study back and then submit that with the K-1s and everything for this uh, tax season. So did they change what eighty percent or something like that? It switched over for this yeah. year. Yeah. So this year it'll be 80 percent. Next year it'll be sixty, and they'll keep phasing twenty percent out until it's completely phased out. That's crazy. So for people listening that are new to multifamily, can you explain to them like uh, just a, a layman's term version of exactly what that is with the bonus appreciation? I don't even know if I'm the best person to. <laughs> I was just going to ask you if you had. Uh, have you had any cost seg experts on the podcast yet? Because I don't. No, even but everybody keeps telling me to have Yona Weiss on. Oh, you got to get Yona. Yona's amazing on that. I was actually just on his Weiss Advice podcast. Uh, I think at the end of December, I just released. So I highly recommend that. I'll definitely send the intro after we get off this podcast. Because yeah, it's it's time. I appreciate that. I got to get him on. Yeah, I'm not even going to try and butcher that. Um, just uh, tune in once uh, Nick in interviewed Yona Weiss and then listen to that one. Nice plug. I'll give you 10% for any of the sponsors <laughs> for that episode. Good job. There you go. I like it. I like it. So now one of the things that I love, A, a about the BPCon conference, which I thought was great, but oddly enough, being that I'm like always on, you know, doing a podcast and stuff like that, and I do public speaking, I actually get very nervous at those types of things. And I feel very like uncomfortable. Like every time you want to go say, talk to somebody, I'm like, well, they're in a cop. Like everybody's always in a conversation. So you never know the right time. And it seems like everybody knows everybody. So it was a little weird, but dude, you were so nice about just always kind of like, Hey, like come over and get parades, freaking awesome. Like that. Like people were really cool. at just about like, Hey, come over here and meet this guy, get in the conversation. And then I almost went after the event was over. I was like, I'm just going to walk back to my hotel 
I, you know, I, I feel weird just walking into the after party like that. And then you texted me and then David Green called me and I went back over there and I'm so, I'm always happy I do, but we sat down and you were kind of talking about your takeaways and some of the stuff you wanted to do. And you were like, yeah, I got this idea for starting this tribe and I'm just going to go start doing it. And you took that and you literally just did start doing it. So I, I want to point out like the difference between people that listen to podcasts like this or they read books or they want to get into stuff and they get these ideas of the stuff that they're going to do. And now 2022 went by, we're in 2023 and they didn't do any of the things that they soaked in or listened to on a podcast or read on a book or learned in a class. And you're a guy who took that action. I think most of the successful people in that room, that's what they do is they, they get these ideas and they go home and they don't delay on them. They go and they just make them happen. And I think that's a huge reason why you're successful and will continue to be. What is it about you that you're able to take these things and just literally just run with them without overthinking them, overanalyzing, overcomplicating them, procrastinating them, and just kind of making them happen? That is a great question. And I think that the biggest reason that I've been able to move things forward a lot faster than other people is that I have embraced the who, not how motto. Um, so I don't know if you've read the book by Dan Sullivan and Dr. Benjamin Hardy, who, not how, but that book was a complete game changer for me. And I understood a little bit more on how successful business uh, owners and investors actually approach that. So in order to really take something and run with it, instead of me trying to figure out how I can do it all on my own and then get stuck in trying to learn all these new strategies, I know where the highest and best use of my time is, where I can earn the, the most income. And that's really calling brokers, calling lenders, trying to find deals, call, uh, reaching out to sellers directly. But if I want to, you know, expand my reach, then I'm going to need to bring in people who can assist with that. So for me, it was really embracing the who, not how mentality. And I knew that I really wanted to start a mastermind for a long time. Like I was in David Green's was the first mastermind that I ever joined. And that helped me get over my analysis paralysis. So as I joined different masterminds over the years, I really understood the power of the mastermind, the power of accountability groups and to help drive you and keep you moving a lot faster. But if it was left to my own devices, like you said, though, it would have probably been five, six years from now because I would have thought like, all right, well, what platform do I need to host it on? Let me look at these three different platforms. All right, what type of uh, information do I need to, you know, um, tailor everything to for the community members and everything? So um, I actually heard Terrence mention it on in passing. I heard it on one of his multifamily mentor interviews that he was interested in, in launching a mastermind. And so I reached out, I just texted him. I was like, Hey, tell me more about the mastermind. And then we hopped on a call and he already had a social media manager and that was his integrator. So he's the visionary. She's the integrator. And Diana is just the wizard of Oz behind everything. So she, um, we just kind of brain dumped on like what strategies would make sense. And she was the one who figured out, you know, Kajabi, she figured out all, um, you know, Slack, discord, everything, how to kind of combine it all so that it can function properly. And so it was really kind of just understanding that I needed to work with someone who already had those pieces in, in place to move that forward a lot faster than if it was just left up to me trying to do it all on my own. I love that. It's uh, I've been reading a lot more this last year so far. I've just been knocking out like page after page, but I got all these books that are on there and who not how is on my desk right now in the queue to read. I just haven't gotten to it yet, but I'm definitely going to do that for sure. So talk about what it is now, because you went and you put this, this mastermind and tribe together. Discuss a little bit about what it is. 
Yeah, so the Value Tribe basically is a mastermind for anyone interested in scaling their portfolio and moving into multifamily. So if it's it's anyone who has done fix and flip, anyone who's done single family, duplexes, they just want to scale into the commercial multifamily space. This is basically the tribe that we put together, utilizing Terrence's expert knowledge, being in it 14 plus years, and myself, I'm still I still consider myself a beginner. So but I also am a working case study for the group because there's basically a couple levels. It's, hey, how can I help the person who, how can I help the Jose from five years ago and impart my information to shorten their learning curve? But then also we have Terrence, who's just a beast in general when it comes to finding deals, like uh, getting under contract, negotiating, closing. And then he has his brother and team that's operating everything. How can we help others scale quicker as well. And that's where the 74 unit uh, came into play. So kind of that working case study. And then I'm sharing all that information with the tribe as well on what worked, what didn't work for me, um, what I should have done in, uh, even prior to getting something under contract, what I should have done like during the process of reaching out to potential investors. So it's, it's a great community because it's very collaborative. And I enjoy having those conversations where I can, you know, find the resources for other people so that they don't have to spend, you know, another like month or two reading. Like, just like you said, there's all, I always have a stack of books behind me as well. There's always a stack of books that you can read. And sometimes it gets overwhelming having that inf much information available, but you don't necessarily know where to start. And that's where you can just shorten your learning curve by understanding, hey, these, these are the first two steps that you need to take. And actually just here's the first step. Here's step one. And then once you get, get there, then it's going to get a little messy, but start messy and then take it from there. I love that. You know, it's, uh, I hear Brendan Turner say it a lot. I don't know who coined the phrase, but it's if, if information was all you needed, everybody would have a billion dollars in a six pack. And now that statement is true more than ever. Like if people don't get that they've had all the information the whole time, they're still not where they're at. What's the missing piece? It's the people part of it. And, you know, I, I, I always go back to like jujitsu MMA and stuff, but I was told very early on, like, you need different training partners. You need the guys who are the lower belts than you so you can try stuff out. You can experiment a little bit. You can put yourself in bad positions and kind of a little bit of the lab. And then you need guys that are more your level so you can see where you stack up with a guy who's like a similar level, similar experience. And then you need the guys that are just so much better than you because you can see where you could go and they could show you like what you're missing. And they just really, they humble you and they excite you. And I think it's the same thing that you're talking about as you get into these groups with different people and you get to see all the different levels of people that start out. And there's always somebody that's a belt lower and a belt higher that you can get like a pretty good perspective from both sides to go, okay, well, here's some things that they wish they would have done better. Here's some things that they did good. And you, you kind of take all that together. And then it turns into like, and this guy does striking, it's a whole different thing. Now we're talking about, you know, uh, uh, storage units or whatever. So it, it gets pretty awesome. But so how do you, how do you guys put it together? Is it, is it zoom meetings? Is there chats? Is there groups? How often do you meet? Yeah, we have uh, our calls are every Monday, uh, 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and it's all through Zoom, so it's all virtual. And then this year we'll uh, host an in-person in Denver. We're still finalizing the details and everything for that. Um, but that's really just the goal is to continue to add value to others on their journey and try and get them to the closing table. So if there's anything that we can do to shorten that learning curve, that's the whole goal. And we're, we're actually going to have, uh, speaking of Yona, we're going to have Yona speak to the group on the 20th of February. And then we're going to bring in uh, Karen Hall to talk about self-directed IRAs and solo 401ks to add more tools to the tool belt. And so that way people have more uh, potential ways to, potential ways to raise capital. If you, uh, if you ever need a good uh, entity structure guy, my buddy Clint is, one of the best and most entertaining guys, uh, him and Gary Gutterson, I think are 
just two of the best that make a really boring topic very exciting. Okay. Yeah. We love, yeah. We love having uh, guests in there who are uh, experts in their area. Just like when you ask me about cost seg, no, I'm, I'm going to refer to an expert on that one. Yeah. And, and he's talked me through some sticky situations that we got into on some of the multifamily stuff. And he was, he was amazing at being able to like figure out how to rework things and protect you in contracts. Like one of the things I tell people about like real estate attorneys, especially that are in the niche you're in, like you want to do tax, uh, tax foreclosure, talk to a tax because they know the things are, when I call him up, like my joke was always like, Hey, Clint, man, you'll never guess what happened. He's like, I'll never, I 20 years of my phone ringing of people saying, you'll never guess what happened. Like, He's already represented people in everything that I can't even imagine what we could think about. Like they've seen the worst. They've seen the properties and the contracts and the partnerships and it's like all this is the worst of the worst stuff. So they were like a really good gauge to go to, to know that stuff because you don't want to, the first time you hear about it is like, that's their first time too. So I like the kind of stuff off topic. Either way, back to you. Sorry about that. Talk about how do people find you? I know we, uh, your Instagram is fantastic, man. You really stepped up your game too. I love watching your stuff at claims to fire. I'm going to put links to that, but what are the social media stuff? How can people reach out to you to find out about joining the tribe, getting more information, working with you on deals, talk all the ways to touch base with the uh, Southern California's tallest Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you brought that full circle. <laughs> so uh, honestly, Instagram is probably the easiest way to reach me. Claims to fire and uh, LinkedIn. I'm trying to be more active on there as well. Um, so Jose Linares on LinkedIn and uh, but claims to fire on every single other platform. My goal also for this year is to launch a podcast. So you and I chatted about that offline, um, but it goes back to the who not how. So I got a couple of uh, avenues that I'm uh, checking out to see how I can streamline that process for myself. Awesome, man. And did I did I send you the link today about the guy who posted the stats about the podcast in 2022? No, but definitely send that to me. I'm going to send it to you. It's really interesting because it actually talks about how historically right now, there's less podcasts coming out like by far because it was a thing like 3 million podcasts every month. And that number, they looked at the stats has dropped like significantly, huh. which maybe it's because people went back to work or they, you know, people took that year off of COVID. They're like, I'm going to be an influencer. But he was like, so historically there's less podcasts than ever, but the content that's being digested through podcasts is higher than ever. So he was like, it is the perfect time to jump in and strike. So man, I, I think you're going to nail it. I think your timing is perfect. And that kind of gets me excited about it too, you know? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Yeah, I'll definitely look for that when you send it over. Yeah, I'll shoot it over to you after this. So moving along, I know I don't want to take up your whole day, sir. It's always a pleasure catching up with you and talking to you and seeing you do awesome stuff, man. Uh, everybody has great things to say about you. And I joined that list. I always got great things to say about you as well. It's been a pleasure catching up with you. What's next? What's next for you? Look at the next three, six, nine, 12 months. I know we're talking a podcast, picking up more, more stuff, getting more systems in place, going to some go abundant stuff. But what does the future look like for Jose Linares? Yeah, we officially put put it out there that we want to close on another $10 million in assets under management in 23. Uh, I, I hired a coach last year, and he challenged me. I was like, well, you know, I put this out there on my 40th because I turned 40 in November of 2022. And like, I put it out there that I want to have 10 million, an additional $10 million in assets under management in the next 12 months. He's like, well, and I said, you know, I'm about 46% there with uh, the 74 unit. He's like, well, that technically counts for 22 because you did close on it in 22. So I think you need 10 million in 23. I'm <laughs> like, damn, okay, that's why I hired you. All right, that's, nice. that's what we're going to do. So our goal is to get the next uh, 50 to 100 unit property under contract by uh, 331.23. Boom. I like it, man. Excellent stuff. You, sir, bring your A game to everything you do. And for the second time, this has been no different. You definitely brought your A game to this podcast. 
Any final thoughts before I let you go, sir? No, I just appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. Anytime we get a chance to catch up is always a pleasure for me. So hopefully I brought some value to your audience. And if they want to reach out, always feel free to reach out at Claims to Fire. I appreciate it, sir. All the links will be in the show notes. And you have an open invite. Anytime you want to come on, man, I'm always down to come in and just chop it up with you and talk life, business, and Claims to Fire on any level you want, sir. Thank you for joining. As always, pleasure. Jose Linares, ladies and gentlemen, have a great day.